This is a Catholic Concern for Animals podcast. Number 13 in the series Readings from the Ark. The Rewilding of Dingoes in Australia by Janet Allen. Read by Dr. Gerald Taylor. About the author. I was born in 1949 and am a qualified teacher. I have been a vegan and an animal activist for over 40 years. I was a founding member of the South Australian Animal Justice Party. I was elected to the board of the RSPCA South Australia in 2010 and served for two and a half years. I was assaulted and injured by a cowboy at Maribel Bullride in 2005 while filming the cruelty to bulls. Footage of this assault and the ensuing court case to prosecute the cowboy was aired dozens of times by Today Tonight, plus many times on TV news broadcasts, helping Jeannie Walker and her No Rodeo campaign to shut down half the rodeos in South Australia, for a time at least. I also spoke on radio talkback programmes for hundreds of hours on animal issues over a 20-year period. I was the first person in South Australia to be on TV to tell people about cruelty-free cosmetics. I was horrified to read this recent newspaper article, Dingoes May Restore Park Order by Kieran Rooney. Dingo populations would be reintroduced into Victorian forests as a method of pest control under a suite of new recommendations put forward by a parliamentary inquiry. A government review of ecosystem decline in Victoria has recommended a trial of the apex predator to help limit the impact of foxes, feral goats, cats and other introduced species in the state's parks. Research suggests they would also deal with excessive kangaroo populations and help smaller animals under threat such as marsupials, birds and reptiles. Farmers would need to be compensated for livestock that may be eaten. In a submission to the inquiry, the Australian Dingo Foundation said foxes and cats had contributed to the extinction of small native marsupials and were threatening other species. Dingoes are ecosystem regulators, providing ecological stability and resilience with the entire ecosystem's health hinging on their performance. The submission states, Through complex behaviours and social interactions, dingoes also self-regulate their own populations, which is essentially unique to top-order predators across the world, including lions and wolves. The article refers to a report by the Victoria Parliament's Legislative Council Environment and Planning Committee on Victoria's Ecosystem Decline, published in December 2021. I have seen sheep that have been mauled by dingoes. I have seen them completely flayed, lying skinned, alive, unable to move, and moaning in agony. I have had my husband shoot them. Farmers rarely bother. I have seen sheep that have obviously been lying in this condition for days because they were already being eaten by maggots and ants. I have seen ewes still alive with their faces ripped off by dingoes and trying to defend their lambs. How dare anyone try to tell me that a compensation scheme for farmers whose livestock is savaged by dingoes makes this all right? Sheep are not stock. They are sentient beings who suffer just as we do. The proposal to breed and release dingoes to kill other pest species, such as cats and foxes, and notice native kangaroos, to improve biodiversity is absurd because 
Rather than providing any benefit to endangered species, dingoes pose the same level of direct risks as foxes and feral cats. In fact, they pose a much greater direct risk than cats. Like other canids, dingoes have a predisposition to kill several prey and consume only a few or none of the total kill. This behaviour, known as surplus killing, is why dingoes can pose a significant threat to native fauna and sheep populations, especially spatially restricted or threatened populations. Animals mauled by dingoes. Amongst animals mauled and left horribly injured but still alive, not only sheep, but also larger prey such as water buffalo. A video of a mother, father and baby pig being attacked by a dingo shows how the dingo singled out the baby, who faced it up with incredible bravery before being torn apart. The filmmakers watch with approval, describing the pigs as one of Australia's worst feral animals. In contrast, I saw a loving family of sentient creatures, terrified and suffering. Here is a quote from Parliamentary Discussion Link above, leading to the breeding and releasing of Dingo's proposal. Dr Cumming, are you suggesting that we should be encouraging more breeding of dingoes? Miss Watson, absolutely not. They should be left to do their own thing. The interference with dingoes by humans just adds up to human selection. Dingoes are a product of natural selection, and that is how it should stay. Yet clearly dingoes are being bred to be reintroduced into these areas. This whole proposal is a contradiction of the Dingo Foundation representative's own words. It is ironic that the Animal Justice Party is currently running a campaign against Nike for killing kangaroos to make shoes from their skins, and Animals Australia has recently taken to the Supreme Court to save a mob of kangaroos, while simultaneously there is a proposal to breed and release dingoes to savage and maul kangaroos. Breeding and releasing dingoes is interfering with and upsetting the balance that nature is trying to restore once again. All nature needs to recover is for us to butt out, but we never do that. Releasing dingoes will not stop farmers baiting animals. They kill anything that does not make money, and they will kill dingoes also, because dingoes kill and maim sheep. So it will cause more 1080 poisoning and more suffering for all the animals. After they bomb the few remaining native forests in Tasmania with napalm to destroy them so that they can plant sustainable plantation timber, the few animals that survive that and come back starving and homeless are greeted with carrots laced with 1080. It has nothing to do with whether nature is balanced or not. No one is trying to restore balance. They have just deliberately destroyed a perfectly balanced ecosystem which has endured for many hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of years. Farmers are not interested in nature. They are only interested in destroying anything they cannot use to make money. Releasing dingoes will only increase the suffering for all the animals, including dingoes. The National Wild Dog Action Plan, NWDAP, made their views on breeding dingoes for reintroduction into parts of Australia clear in an article published in January 2021. It is worth quoting at length. The archetype dingo, a yellow, bushy-tailed dog that has inhabited mainland Australia for about 4,000 years, holds a special place in Australian hearts and minds. Its linkages with our indigenous culture place it on a social pedestal and the community 
understandably is concerned for its preservation and welfare. However, while we acknowledge its significant conservation and cultural value, the reintroduction of a top-order predator in the Grampians National Park could have dire consequences for other equally valued species. The Grampians National Park in Victoria's West is a sanctuary for numerous iconic native species, some of which are on the edge of extinction thanks to habitat loss. The critically endangered brush-tailed rock wallaby, whose macropod ancestors evolved in our continent 30 million years ago, became locally extinct in the Grampians in 1999. Since 2008, significant funding and effort has been invested to reintroduce this unique marsupial, the only species of rock wallaby that occurs in Victoria. Almost 12 years on, after several reintroductions, Parks Victoria reported evidence of four new joeys and the release of a further two new males to improve genetic diversity of the colony. This fragile project is gaining ground. However, the dingo's dietary repertoire favours small to medium-sized mammals, so while the 6 to 8 kilogram brush-tailed rock wallaby is swift and agile, its vulnerable population would be no match for 10 to 20 kilogram carnivores with the ability to hunt in cooperative packs. The Grampians is also home to the endangered red-tailed cockatoo and smoky mouse, one of Victoria's most endangered native mammals, and the critically endangered southern brown bandicoot, long-nosed potteroo, and heath mouse. A year ago, two koalas were spotted there, the first documented sighting in six years, a species for which dingo and wild dog predation is listed as a key threatening process. Dingoes are not fussy diners. They are opportunistic hunters, and they will kill the easiest prey. They don't have a moral compass, nor are they the custodians of an ecosystem in which they are relative newcomers. Supporting the reintroduction of dingoes in this park, without considering the welfare of other species, is reckless at best. Dingoes, dogs and foxes spread hydatids, a parasitic tapeworm that causes the zoonotic cystic hydatid disease. Canids show little ill effect, but for micropods, cystic hydatids is a death sentence. Supporters for dingo reintroduction often tout the benefits of an apex predator, including the suppression of other predators such as foxes and feral cats that prey on native species. Unfortunately, research demonstrates this is more wishful thinking than fact. As this section from the NWDAP shows, rather than providing any benefits to endangered species, dingoes pose the same level of direct risk as foxes and feral cats. Dingoes are the major threat to the survival of koalas, an Australian icon. As Dr Christine Hosking, a koala researcher at the University of Queensland, has observed, wild dogs can attack koalas in all landscape types. The opportunistic predation of even one wild dog can negatively impact a small koala population. These predators, dingoes and their hybrids, are putting one of the world's most iconic animals under stress, and without intervention, vulnerable listed populations in Queensland, New South Wales and the Australian Capital Territory could be wiped out. A four-year study by Australia's leading koala conservation researchers, Bayer et al. 2018, identifies wild dogs as by far the most significant threat to the species. In Queensland's Moortown Bay region, predation by wild dogs, carpet pythons 
and domestic dogs accounted for 63% of deaths. Of the mortalities caused by dogs, 82% were caused by dingoes and dingo hybrids, while only 2% were attributed to domestic dogs. The Centre for Invasive Species Solutions, National Wild Dog Management Coordinator Greg Mifsud, said, Research shows that dingoes and wild dogs are killing these animals and posing a direct threat to their survival. The whole basis of the obsession with vilifying cats is based on the expressed opinion of former Australian Environment Minister Greg Hunt on how many feral cats are in Australia and the damage they are doing. Not science. Hunt claimed there are up to 20 million feral cats taking up to four native Australian animals a night. That is over 20 billion Australian native species being destroyed a year. On ABC's landline on November 2nd. Fact check asked Mr Hunt for the basis of his claim and his office said that the figures were sourced from the Action Plan for Australian Mammals published in June 2014. Fact check contacted the authors of the Action Plan, Professor John Wynarski from Charles Darwin University and consultant biologist Andrew Burbage, who both say the plan provides no such statistic. The Action Plan for Australian Mammals does not give any estimate or data on the number of feral cats in Australia or on the number of individual animals killed by those cats, Professor Wojnarski said. Similarly, the number of wildlife eaten per night was determined from the stomach content of cats in the Kimberley. Using this figure to extrapolate the loss of wildlife from the whole of Australia is inaccurate. Nor were the stomach contents partitioned into shared, scavenged, e.g. roadkill, or hunted and killed, nor prey that was sick, injured or old, but instead assumed hunted and killed due to bite marks. Some of this prey may also be normally taken by native predators, now less abundant. Unpublished research on cat stomach contents in other areas have found rabbits to be the main diet. People only need to do the math to realise these figures are not an accurate portrayal of predation by the cat. There are many factors contributing to the demise of our native species. It would appear that we are using the cat to defer attention from our own activities. Ruth Norris. It is my view that this current human obsession with raising the dead in the name of conservation is probably the most hypocritical and selfish of all our cruel perversions. Animals do not suffer from being extinct. They are the only ones free from our cruelty. We need to let the dead rest in peace instead of constantly trying to bring them back to life by torturing the living. This is what breeding and releasing dingoes or any other animal is doing. I might even dare to compare it with what Vladimir Putin is doing, trying to bring back to life the glory that was the Russian Empire. I had just finished typing this when a friend sent me a recent advertiser article showing the horror of this obsession in a hideously literal sense. I refer to an article in the advertiser March the 3rd, 2022, called South Australian Animals to Join the Resurrection by Claire Peddy. The scientist who reckons he can resurrect the Tasmanian tiger says extinct South Australian species could be brought back to life too, using advanced genetic technology, stem cells and surrogates. It's thought animals such as the extinct pig-footed bandicoot, desert rat kangaroo, and eastern hare wallaby could be revived, while the long-term goal is to bring back long-dead animals. In the near term, the technology could enable mass reproduction 
of endangered species. Experiments of this kind always involve horrendous cruelty to the animals involved. For example, surrogates are likely to be injected with foreign DNA via a huge needle, often into the ovaries, usually with no pain relief. The injections often miss their target, causing extreme pain to the victim. I have seen the typical scenario of these types of experiments, animals thrashing about in agony in wild-thawed cages, sprayed with vomit and diarrhoea. And this is before we get to the cruelty of releasing the animal's bread, usually to die agonising deaths. As Alan et al. have pointed out, large carnivores are depicted to shape entire ecosystems through top-down processes. Studies describing these processes are often used to support interventionist wildlife management practices, including carnivore reintroduction or lethal control programs. Unfortunately, there is an increasing tendency to ignore, disregard or devalue fundamental principles of the scientific method when communicating the reliability of current evidence for the ecological roles that large carnivores may play, eroding public confidence in large carnivore science and scientists. Managers and policymakers should exercise caution when relying on this literature to inform wildlife management decisions. Alan et al. Can we save large carnivores without losing large carnivore science? Food webs. Volume 12, September 2017. Similarly, in the same journal, Morgan et al. criticised the comparisons which have led to the policies adopted in Victoria. Wolves are widely regarded as top-down regulators of prey and trophic cascades in North America. Consequent expectations of biodiversity benefits from canid-driven trophic cascades have driven debate around reintroduction plans for dingoes in southeastern Australia. The biophysical characteristics of Yellowstone National Park predispose that environment to trophic cascades, but it is not clear that Australia provides a comparative context for dingoes. Both systems feature a canid top predator in an arid environment, so their superficial comparison is seemingly relevant for dingo reintroduction plans. Climate stability, however, critically underpins Yellowstone's trophic cascades, with regular and predictable resource supply sustaining the strong trophic interactions there. In contrast, the renowned instability of the climate of inland Australia makes resource availability relatively unpredictable. This fundamental difference means that southeastern Australia is unlikely to sustain trophic interactions of similar strength to those in Yellowstone. Morgan et al. Trophic Cascades and Dingoes in Australia. Does the Yellowstone Wolf-Elk-Willow model apply? Foodwebs, Volume 12, September 2017. In 2017, zoologists removed dingoes as vulnerable after their scientific research proved dingoes to be nothing more than a descendant of wolves, in other words, just another breed of dog, who arrived 3,000 years ago with Southeast Asian traders. They refuted the label native and declared dingoes to be a feral dog. This is important because the parliamentary committee putting forward the proposal to breed and release dingoes appear to have placed dingoes in a native category instead of an introduced species category. If we are going to grant dingoes native status on the basis that they were here before Europeans and feature in Aboriginal legends, then we must afford cats the same privilege, because they also were here before Europeans and feature in Aboriginal legends. To do otherwise is discriminatory and irrational. 
Obsession with top-down trophic cascades theory, that is the belief that the activity of the top predator in the ecosystem controls all lower levels of the system, is a view typically upheld by die-hard conservationists who eat meat and walk around their bushland properties, rifle in hand, shooting stray goats, deer, sheep and baiting cats and foxes. Another source of the push to breed and release dingoes comes from people like John Knight, cattle farmer. They are against farmers around them killing the dingoes, and they have never killed them, but encourage them to live and range on their land. You must laugh at their statement. The killing of any animal is abhorrent to us. Any animal seems to exclude their cows. Their citizen science discovered that the dingoes love eating kangaroos and keep the populations down low, so low, in fact, that there is then an abundance of native grassland for their cows to eat. They are encouraging farmers to let dingoes in to kill off the kangaroos, so that livestock can eat the grass. Instead of the native animals, our biodiversity has been destroyed by humans, not feral animals. To truly see biodiversity restored, all humans must withdraw from all wilderness areas with no mining, logging, deforestation or development. Interactions between large carnivores and other species may be responsible for impacts that are disproportionately large relative to their density. Context-dependent interactions between species are common, but often poorly described. Caution must be exercised in seeing apex predators as ecological saviours. Humans can impact large carnivores in much the same way these apex predators impact mesopredators and prey species. The aim of restoring natural systems is somewhat problematic and not always pragmatic. Interspecific interactions are influenced by context, and humans are often the dominant driver in forming context. If management and conservation goals are to be achieved, then it is pivotal to understand how humans influence trophic interactions and how trophic interactions are affected by context. Haswell PM et al. Large carnivore impacts are context-dependent. Food Webs, Volume 12, February 2016. By the proponents' own admission, the trial for the Grampians would be risky and only test their theories that dingoes might suppress fox populations. How will they wind it back when it fails, as all similar ideas have failed in the past? Surely we should have learned from the cane toad fiasco, let alone the animals that have suffered enough already from decades of mistakes made by the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation, CSIRO. Cane toads were introduced to eat insects in sugarcane fields many years ago. They multiplied exponentially and became a much bigger problem than the insects. They are still mass slaughtered in horrendously cruel ways. The problem was eventually reduced in severity, not by humans, but by nature. Crows learned that they could peck out the poisonous liver of the cane toad while the toad is still alive. This, of course, is also a horribly cruel result for the poor cane toads, and humans were the cause of all the suffering. It is only a few years since the massacre of dingoes on Fraser Island because they see small children as prey. That was done under public scrutiny, but I still saw footage of a dingo four days after the professional shoot sitting under his favourite tree with a huge gaping hole in his face. Dingoes were also mass slaughtered in the 1980s to try to locate the one that had eaten Lindy Chamberlain's baby. Dingoes themselves posed severe risks to native species. 
when burrowing betongs were released outside of the arid recovery fence in both 2008 and 2013, predation by dingoes was a key reason why they failed to establish. The experiment proposed in the parliamentary discussion involved fencing dingoes, foxes and cats, in together to fight. This barbaric experiment would not even comply with the rules of dogfighting, which is illegal. The CSIRO has a long history of disastrous interventions in nature, all of which have caused immense suffering to all animals involved. We cannot take lessons from nature on kindness and compassion. Nature is terribly cruel, but I believe this makes our cruelty even more despicable, because all animals suffer so much already, without us adding to it. That was... The Catholic Concern for Animals podcast in the series Readings from the Ark Rewilding Dingoes in South Australia by Janet Allen Read by Dr Gerald Taylor Thank you.